brother here we are hey jason yeah 2024 first guest of the year and this yep. is an exciting one i am so pumped to let people in on this conversation we just had with dub our very own taco immunity dub alexander here's his book uh <laughs> what from the cult to the kingdom yeah uh, from yeah. a commune in waco to the halls of the un yeah uh, and, and it, it wasn't it wasn't that commune in waco right. it was a different one <laughs> Man, this, who knew this there were so many cults in Waco? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a lot of cults, but uh, this was uh, this was good. This was good fun. This was uh, we got to know Dub uh, even a little bit more. We've had some conversations with him and Ryan Pena, who we've also had on uh, over the last several months. But got to know him more. Excited to introduce him to those that don't know him a powerful conversation where we we do a lot of rethinking he shares his story on the front end we get into uh deep conversations around what the kingdom is a lot of uh, rethinking around the prophetic which is uh, something that dove is has carries a whole lot of grace in uh, and then at the end man he he blows us away with his his picture of what he believes god is doing for 2024 i know you you actually noted yeah no you got to hang on to the very end of this podcast because dub just kind of starts speaking into some things that are being restored yeah uh this year yeah to the body of christ and in the kingdom of god he talks about a shifting awareness um he talked about a, a higher receptivity for things that were once controversial come on and yeah. we're seeing that really with yeah. the tacos podcast aren't we yeah um he's yeah. talking i mean he straight up pretty much said you know that Jesus is the word, and I like my Bible too. That there's going to be yep. some focus on that. Um, that atonement the theology, you know, penal substitutionary atonement theology is is ready to be completely dismantled and disregarded. Yeah. And then I love this. Here's what he said. He said, "There's going to be an emphasis on perfect love, casting out all fear, including the fear of the Lord." <laughs> It's a good. And I'll just let that sit there. We talk yeah. about it a little bit at the end, but you got you got to listen to this. Dub, Dub is uh, he is such a gift for um, the prophetic and and the kingdom, and I think he's I think he's bringing some amazing not just correction but some restoration yeah. of uh, yeah. how the prophetic is supposed to have dominion, not domination, dominion. And, this is a good uh, conversation. And, God's rule and, uh, is being established. Yeah. Yeah. And and we talked a little bit tacos at the end. I think you might have a picture of it. I'm not sure, but let's see if I can pull it up here real quick. Chili. Yep. A green right chili brisket. Uh, it's the green nice. chili. Green chili. Green chili brisket quesadilla but, from Taco Casa in Elephant Butte, New Mexico. There it is. He's from, he's from Texas. He's a Texas guy. For, and for a Texas guy to give uh, New Mexico props on tacos, I guarantee that was <laughs> that was that was a good one. <laughs> Man, I love this conversation. I, I I love Dub. I'm loving getting to know him. Hey, one of the things that we talked about, and we're going to announce uh, in the coming weeks, we, we're going to do some Zoom calls with him and Ryan Pena uh, around the prophetic, uh, restoring our understanding around the prophetic, rethinking it. Uh, and uh, even prophesying over some folks, providing some of that on the Facebook page in the future. So stay yep. tuned. We'll have some dates in the coming weeks for a couple of Zoom calls, at least a couple uh, yep. with those guys. And uh, excited about that. And then, then an ongoing culture of prophetic community in in the tacos facebook page where you know uh we can we can help 
school people and train them in that through Dub and Ryan, but also, man, if you need a word from God to be able to receive a prophetic word that encourages, comforts, and strengthens you. So yeah. um, I, I love this conversation. Hey, listen, just a quick reminder, as always, you guys can give through a familystory.org. Yeah. Uh, we're a listener supported podcast and, um, you know, Jason, uh, is able to do more because of your generosity. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Go over to a family story.org and give there. If you're, uh, if your heart so desires, uh, we yes. appreciate it so much. Um, I love, I love doing this with you. I love the relational dynamic. The first podcast just dropped. It just titled it friendship. Um, because uh, I felt like it just encapsulated uh, what's happening in our lives uh, together and what's happening through this podcast. It's what Jesus calls us. So it just seemed like the right way to to uh, launch the fifth season, man. Five wow. seasons we're starting here. So yeah, wow. Grateful for you. Love you, love you, man. Let's uh, yeah. let's dive right into uh, Dub Alexander. Here he is. Well, bro, we, we're finally doing this. Yes. We're finally doing this. We finally got yeah. you on, man. Welcome. Dub, it's great to have you on the podcast. And I want to first of all say uh, you've become the meme king on the Facebook tacos page. <laughs> uh, people have already declared you are. The, I, I think they're actually trying to come up with names for you that will give you that title. But uh, I thought there was a poll out seriously. there. Yeah. yeah, there's a poll. Is there serious? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I missed but, the poll. Uh, aside from that, thanks for thanks for your input and voice into the Facebook page. I, you yeah. just you're so well resourced and so gentle, and being able to uh, steer people towards things that will help them. Um, you, if you've got a great prophetic voice into the life of many individuals on that page, and then of course because yeah, I mean the page is up over fifteen hundred now, and. Oh. Uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks for that. You're yeah, uh, you become a, a staple of of serious kingdom help in uh, yeah. the Facebook yeah. page. So keep it up, man. I will, man. I appreciate that, and I appreciate uh, what you guys have built as just a, a true, kind, loving community with great theological lenses and a, a place where. Uh, people can really come into alignment with the truth and kind of shake off some of the confusion and some of you know some of the uh, you know, attacks they might be getting from, from people that are worried that they're slipping into heresy or whatnot. It's I'm yeah. like, man, if I had had a community like that, when I was figuring stuff out, it would have helped me right. so much. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing and it's good stuff. Dude, it's a safe place, man. It's beautiful. And it's been fun being a part of it. We've talked about this often, but this podcast, uh, has, has just expanded, uh, our relationships, our connections. We've met people like you and, and Ryan who you're connected with and who, who you um, have a school with. We're going to get there, but man, um, we got to, we got to introduce folks to you who may not know you. Some of those folks on the, on the, on the Facebook page and who listen to the podcast may not know you. So we got to introduce you a little bit, <laughs> share a little bit of your story. You've got a book from the cult to the kingdom uh, the, the subtitle is amazing from a commune in Waco. No, not that one to the halls <laughs> of the UN. Uh, so maybe share a little bit of your story. We're going to get to the kingdom school, of the kingdom, and, and there's about 50 things I want to talk about, but let's start there, right. bro. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. Yeah. There's a joke about in, uh, the school of Kenyan community, 
Uh, they do hashtag who's dub because uh, there's a lot of people that uh, have no idea who I am. And uh, <laughs> during the pandemic, I got asked to be on a panel with some well-known uh, well-known speakers. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I was feeling pretty good about myself, you know, and then uh, I had, but I had the feed scrolling, right? And then I began to see that like every other comment was like, who's that bald guy on the end? Uh, so it brought me back <laughs> down to humility. And and then all my students were on there, they were doing the hashtag who's dub. So it's kind of a thing, who's dub, but uh, yeah, good times. But so uh, I was born at a very early age and uh, that joke's for my daughter. Uh, yes, dad yeah. joke was picked off, but my parents were atheists uh, until I was about 11 and uh, just kind of, they were ex-hippies, anti-society, anti-establishment, anti-organization. So, I mean, I was born at home. I'm number one out of five. We were uh, homeschooled and not in a healthy way, in a weird way. Uh, and they were just against everything that had any type of organization to it. Right. And and I was born in the hood. So in the middle of uh, South Oak Cliff, we were the only white family and we were weird. So it was uh, a little awkward Texas. growing up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the double whammy. But when I was 11, we met another odd family and uh, we did come to know the Lord through them, but they were also involved in this cult down in Waco. As you said, not that one, but same city, same time. It's kind of weird. This is an Amish-ish cult uh, called Homestead Heritage, and uh, they're still around today. So I went from the hood and, uh, you know, just wanted to play basketball and rap to now on the weekends, we're going out to this commune and, you know, I'm having to throw hay bales up to Josiah on a horse, uh, horse-drawn wagon. And I'm like, what is happening? It's like, uh, Amish paradise, uh, <laughs> that's kind of my life. And so I went from being told there was no God to being introduced to a very religious, legalistic, distant, angry God that, you know, is super hard to please and was not a fan, to be honest, uh, ran away from home when I was 16, got taken in by some, uh, Baptist youth pastors who are amazing. They've become my family, uh, godparents to my daughter and all. And so, uh, just got around some kind people that loved Jesus. Not that the theology was that great, but the heart was, and that really yeah. changed my life. And then from there, just kind of went from Baptist into the, you know, the non-denominational, seeker-friendly, light charismatic. And uh, when I got around some healthy prophetic culture and learned how it was the Holy Spirit spoke to me, uh, Holy Spirit just began to wake me up every morning. First thing I would hear when I opened my eyes was, what is the kingdom? And uh, that's really what set me on the journey of discovering what is the kingdom. I had never even noticed that that was all that Jesus talked about. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I thought, well, maybe the kingdom is the church or the body of Christ, or maybe it's heaven. And all of those are components of it, but uh, not it in its fullness. Thankfully, found Dr. Miles Monroe's book, Rediscovering the Kingdom. And that was really what uh, set me on the trajectory of realizing that, uh, that God has heavenly solutions for every earthly problem, that he loves all of the world, and he's looking to get those solutions to people so they can experience his goodness through us. And through a long chain of events, ended up uh, figuring out that my specialty was in, in government, specifically global government, and uh, have served the last, been, I've been operating prophetically in government for eight years, the last five years in the, in the UN, just uh, helping get heaven's solutions into the hands of leaders covertly. So they can implement it so that their people can experience the goodness of God. So it's a wild ride, but that's the the story in the book there. You, um, yeah, you literally just summarized your book in like three minutes. So thank you for that. But I'm going to encourage people to get out there and buy this book because um, it's such a dynamite story. It's so encouraging. I think 
going back to something early on, you said, my brilliant six-year-old strategy coming to light in the simple phrase, God, if you're real, I'm on your side. Yeah. Talk, talk, talk to us a little more about that. What, what was that? Cause you know, I think a lot of things that mark us in our childhood, uh, you know, why did you say that? Why did you say, God, if you're real, I'm on your side because it set you on a course, didn't it? That's true, man. Absolutely. So, uh, my grandfather, who I loved very much and, uh, miss greatly, he, uh, he was a church of Christ preacher. And so, um, so my mother grew up in the Church of Christ, and you know my grandfather softened so much throughout the years, you know. Yeah. Uh, but even when I knew him when I was young, it was like my grandfather was one way with us as a family, but if we went to church with him, everything got very formal, very uptight, you know. And so I can understand why uh, my mother just didn't want anything to do with with church or religion. Ended up being uh, an atheist, but. Um, but my grandfather, when we would go to their house for Thanksgiving, he would always pray and bless the food. And so I had been raised, there is no God. But then I had this grandfather that I loved who believed there was a God. And so that came about at a Thanksgiving meal and he was praying and blessing the food. And I was like, maybe there is a God because grandpa's pretty cool, you know? And I was just like, I'm going to hedge my bets here. Like, if there is a God, I'm on your side. You know, I was going to uh, make sure I was set up uh, for good either way. So that's kind of the story behind that. But Which I owe my I think grandfather the, a lot of that. Yeah, I think that's like the best salvation prayer ever. I'm just going to start using that one every Sunday when people come come down. I'm just going to say, hey, God, you know, <laughs> I'm on your side. And then, okay, let's go get baptized. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Come on. But then, then you said you, you, you also early on began to experience really detailed dreams that mm -hmm. would, would, would come to pass and that you would, you would see things beforehand. Speak a little bit about that, like that dream gifting and, and it scared you at first, didn't it? Yeah, it was very strange. And so, you know, that first little interaction with God when I was six, you know, I kind of like put that on the shelf. I was like, okay, if he is real, I'm good, right? Because I, I negotiated it with him or whatever my little mind was thinking. <laughs> uh, when I was 11 is when I met uh, some sons of this family that were in the cult. And he shared the bad news with me, you know, about hell and how I was going there. And I better pray this prayer and all that. And, you know, uh, it's uh, so I did prayed the prayer. It, did he present it as the good news though, right? It was presented as as. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure in his heart, that was his <laughs> intention. But the whole conversation began with, hey, man, you ever heard about hell? I was like, no. And so he told me about that. And I was like, crap, this is not good. But, you know, uh, yeah. I, I didn't even know any of this was going on. He's like, right. but if you ask for the blood of Jesus, then you'll go to heaven. And I'm like, well, what's heaven? And he pointed up in the sky and he said, well, it's up there. And like sit on a cloud and sing to God all day. I was like, all day? He's like, all day. I said, for how long? He said, forever. I was like, forever. I said, man, it's not a whole lot better than hell, but I guess I guess it's a little better. I guess I choose that, right? So that was, uh, and it was after that prayer, he gave me a little uh, White Gideon's New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs on the tiny, thin pages. And I kind of began my continual interaction with God. And it was during that time that I began to have dreams that would come to pass uh, the next day, exactly how I had dreamed it, it would play out. And then from there, I began to just kind of imagine things that were going to occur. 
Uh, and then sure enough, it would happen right afterwards. And I was like, what in the world? And remember, like I'm Amishish at this point, right? I'm not watching movies. I have no grid for like, you know, even like uh, uh, superheroes or whatever. You know, I'm just like, am I crazy? What is going on here? And so I didn't understand that the original intent and design that God had put within me to operate uh, kind of as a Joseph, you know, to, to governments and to leaders and the buildings of structures and things, that that same gift was a part of my design. But because I didn't have a framework for it, I just thought like, man, am I, am I going crazy? You know, and looking back, I even understand now that, you know, the enemy was feeding me some of those lies, you know, and, and I was taking ownership of them. And so I was afraid of the very gift that mm. God had given me to set other people free from fear. And that was just part of my process. But that was kind of how that whole prophetic gifting awakened within me. Somewhere along the way, it became relational. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the way, you encountered love. And this thing, the, the rubber met the road. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious of, of that story. I, I do want to, you talked about kingdom. Um, we're going to get there because uh, the reason this ministry, we do everything on this podcast under the ministry of family story. And that is all of, all predicated on my awakening to teaching around the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And the fact that if, if Jesus taught the kingdom, he did it as a son Come in on. the context of family. And he only ever called God dad. So if you're going to understand kingdom, you better understand family because it looks yeah. like family and it's a family story. But we're going to get there in a second. I want to know where the rubber hit the road because I'm, we're relational. This is, this is where it matters to me. It's practical theology. It's relational one, relationship 101. It's God is love. So somewhere yeah. along the way, man, um, these things became real. There was a, a moment, a, a shifting, or maybe it was slower. I don't know, but I'd love to hear kind of where the rubber met the road with you. That's a great question. So I would say that um, when I ran away from home at 16 and uh, got taken in by Mark and Cinda Urquhart and, and who were the Baptist youth pastors and just watching how their family interacted in such a healthy way, in a loving way, and so my relationship with God at this time is I've got a father who's angry, distant, and hard to please, which was kind of similar to my earthly father. So that made sense to me, right? And then I had Jesus who I was cool with, but I also better stay behind, right? Like I got to keep sure. Jesus in between me and father. Yeah. And then, uh, so that's my context within the Trinity because Holy Spirit at this point to me is I hadn't caught at all that there was the person of the Holy Spirit. I thought it was the weird power that came upon people sure. and made people black weird. <laughs> yeah. So say funny in, things. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and so within the context of the Urquhart family, getting to see what a good father looks like and what a good Come mother on. looks like and all of that, that subconsciously began to develop my understanding of the true family aspect of God. And then when I was a young man in my early 20s, I was at a conference and the gentleman in front of me turned around who I didn't know. He said, young man, you need to know that God not only loves you, he likes you. Come on. And that like rocked me because yeah. I, looking back, my theology was God has to love me because I cashed in on the blood of Jesus and there's this transaction, right? Yeah. But I, it had never crossed my mind that God liked me. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, because I mean, let's all be real here. We all love some people that we don't like, right? And so like, <laughs> to me, liking is a higher level than loving within that context, right? And I was like, yeah. whoa, God likes me? Like, he did, it's not that he has to love me, Come on. but he likes me. And that was a huge shift for me. And then finally, the big breaking point was uh, one day father came to me and he said, he said, Dub, would you allow me to reintroduce myself to you? And I was like, yes. And he said, you think Jesus came to save you from me? And I was like, well, crap, I do think that. <laughs> that's what I was taught in Bible college, right? Right. And that's all he said. But I had had some other experiences with the Lord by then where I knew a statement like that, or sometimes just a question was simply an invitation, go seek it yeah. out. Yeah. And so... When he said, you think Jesus came to save you from me? And my response was, I do think that because that's all I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, that set me on a hunt. And that's when I discovered, oh, my gosh, this the great heresy of the West, right? Penal substitutionary atonement theory that, that not only I, I was shocked to find out. I thought all Christians all over the world believed that that was I thought that was the only atonement theory. I thought that was yeah. the truth. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So to find out that there were hundreds of millions of believers that not only didn't believe that, but called it heresy and that it was a new theology. I was so mad, <laughs> but, uh, you know, once I worked through that, I was like, Oh my gosh, it was so freeing to just realize, Oh man, I went yeah. to a Bible college that didn't dignify us with, with knowing different, different ideas and, and all that. Yeah. And, uh, but now I found the truth. And, and so once my atonement theory got fixed, then I started to stumble into the, the Trinitarian faith, you know, began to find Baxter and uh, William Paul Young and Bradley Jerzak. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this is <laughs> the truth about the nature of the king, the personhood of God, the being of God. And uh, yeah, man, good news. that journey is a good news. Yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. When Jesus said it's good news, when it, when it was good news. It was, yes. Yeah. yeah. And like Dub, I think I think this is so important, but I don't know people if people really recognize how important it is as to what you believe happened at the cross. Um, mm. Because if you, if you hold this dualistic mindset of like, well, God is this way, but Jesus is this way. And you're okay with that, which I used to be a hundred percent. Oh yeah, of course. God, man, he opened up the earth and swallowed people. The ark totally killed that guy when he was, they were moving it. Um, you know, leprosy on Miriam's hand, uh, everything that God, that is said of God that he did, that m probably isn't true. Jesus flips the yes. script and says, yeah, no, let me give you this new hermeneutic. Uh, yeah. I I'm here to bring life and life more abundantly. It it's the, the yeah. thief is still kill and destroy. Of course, he was talking to the, to the Pharisees as well, but he was also setting this new hermeneutic. And I think many times people, until they like get intellectually honest with themselves and say, kind of like Jason's book, Leaving and Finding Jesus, yeah, I don't want to follow that Jesus either. <laughs> Come on. Because... If there's steal, kill, and destroy involved, which Jesus doesn't represent at all. So how how do we help people and help find language without getting into what they think is, well, that's complicated atonement theory, and I don't really need to deal with that. It's like, yeah, you, you kind of need to think about it. It's important, 
But it, for us, it's wrapped up in that statement that Jesus is perfect theology. God is what Jesus is what God has to say about himself. And then, then you can embrace a God that was willing to become one of us to rescue all of us. God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, smuggling himself into death to break us out of the yeah. illusion of separation. I mean, the, those things, it's such better news. And it, and it begins to like make you open your eyes to the goodness of God, the na nature of God that looks exactly like Jesus. And so how, how do you lead people into even like thinking about that? Um, I mean, that, that yeah. embrace it at just whole cloth. They just, they just soak it in because, well, that's, that's what I was taught. And that's what, that's the way that it was. God turned his back on his son. He had to pour out his wrath and, uh, you know, and, and separated himself from, from Jesus. What, yeah. what kind of language can we, <laughs> you know, develop? And this is what I love about you with, with your, your, your developing, developing like covert prophetic language <laughs> that is helping uh, get traction with these things in in the hearts and minds of people. It's got to be it's got to be a spirit led thing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, and I'm still definitely developing the ability to reach people with the truth and uh, endeavoring to be less controversial each day. Uh, um, you know, because it is my heart for people to be able to embrace the truth. I'm known as kind of a cage rattler, right? So. Uh, my partner in School of Kingdom, Ryan Pena, he's very, very calm and just kind of, he and I could say the same exact phrase and I will ruffle some feathers and he'll just like, <laughs> people will just fall right into what he's saying. I'll try to catch a little yeah. bit of that grace, you know, but uh, for me, <laughs> what I found is the best thing to do is ask, pose a question. And the thing I love about questions is that once they're planted, like yep. they're going to grow. And yeah. so a big one that I'll, that I like to uh, pose to people right now is if Jesus said that father is just like him, how does that affect your theology? Yeah. Yeah. Or if I feel like they could take a little more then I'll say, you know, um, Jesus said to a group of people that it would have been highly offensive to, no one has seen the father, but if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Come on. And so, because that brings up a whole nother list of questions, right? Well, Abraham met with God face to face. Moses met with God face to face. But the gospel of John says, no man at any time has seen the father. But if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father. So if Jesus is just like the father, what does that do to your theology? And if I really feel like they can take a, a, a good question, then my question is this. Actually, this is more of a statement, but... You can either agree with the entirety of Scripture, or you can agree with Jesus, but you cannot agree with them both because they do not agree with each other. And uh, that's a that's a great. Uh, that was yeah, great. Uh, okay, but ladies and gentlemen, you just heard the trifecta of Dub's uh, strategy there. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love it, man. I love the. Uh, I love uh, that the shifting in your life happened through seeing uh relational dynamics within family yeah. that were healthy um i i love that that that's the road that creates the relational trust between you and father so you can hear him yeah so you can hear him challenge your certainties about him which is the Emmaus road jesus or the Emmaus road 
Father or Emmaus Road Spirit, they're all doing the same thing, <laughs> all walking with us, uh, speaking to the heart so we would know the burning. And, and, when, and when Derek started to ask you the question, everything in me wanted to answer it. I'm like, I want that question. Ask me that question. Come on, man, Jason. That you, yeah, I, I want to hear you. Bring it, man. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, I, yeah, I'm setting it up. Here we go. You ready? No, <laughs> I love that, uh, I love that um, you started with a question. Because it's it's it is what relationship is. It's what trust is. It's hey, um, yeah, I rattle cages whether I want to or not. And when I was a younger Jason, I liked it. Honestly, um, uh, I learned years ago that people don't go up staircases if there aren't handrails. Mm. And uh, and so wow. you got to put handrails on them, even though they walk stairs every day. Uh, they get insecure. So that that was my communication style when I started writing. It was like, oh, I got to make sure that there's grace that is woven into every aspect of this because trust is what what brings you up the staircase it's always trust and trust is context it's always in the context of relationship so i love that you start with a question because it makes room and i love that the foundation because this is for me the answer um you know jesus's perfect theology helped but god is good mm -hmm. the goodness of god um on as jesus revealed led me to the same conclusions wait i i have to be able to say i don't like when the questions come from all these fractured uh places of separation that i've been raised in that i don't even know about i don't even realize separation is is woven into my understanding of the prophetic or woven into my understanding of of the miraculous or woven into my understanding of my actual faith i i don't even know it because i've been raised in in this context of separation what's what what i was able to come to was god is good as jesus reveals come on. and 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 then i can say i don't know but he's good and now i'm redefining faith faith is abraham going up a mountain believing uh, in the context of child sacrifice as the rule of the day believing somehow hebrews 11 tells us and he tells us we're going up to worship we'll come back down mm -hmm. so somehow he's walking up a mountain going i don't know but he's good it's why abram's the father of our faith not because he was yeah. willing to obey some depraved order but because he was willing to live in the tension of the goodness of god beyond my ability to understand come on man and that's the father that's good of our jason faith. yeah I'm glad so you asked yourself that question. Answer, but but it's but the question you start in that relational context with the question, it's it's uh it's beautiful because then there's room there's room for everyone you know love doesn't step outside of consent and so you know Derek and I talk about this all the time the more convinced we are in this relational God this loving God uh, the more dogmatic we are in that the less dogmatic we are in the room with someone about some certainty, some theological construct, some ideological premise, some uh, political um, you mm. know, approach. You know, Instead, we can be in a room. We can be in the room and go, you know what? Love is working all things to good. What Come does on. love have to say about this right now? Which sets me up for the question around the prophetic, because I think that's the area where you um, carry a, a great grace on your life derek and i have, have benefited from you and ryan we had a call with you guys i jokingly said before the call uh do me first uh i was a joke and then when we got on the call you did you did me <laughs> you prophesied over me it set the tone uh for this year first will be God last brother 
<laughs> it's restoring. It set some of the tones for Derek and I for strategies for this for year, which is what FedEx does. Awesome. It, 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 it about restor the restoration of all things and the restoration of the prophetic. But I'd love for you to talk about um, the prophetic in the context of the goodness of God in a relational dynamic where you're preaching Jesus in people. There's a restoring process taking place. I'd love for you yes. to share a little bit about that and the journey to where you find yourself today. Come on. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that question. I love I love the prophetic. I love the gift that it is. I love that what it does for the sons and daughters of God that uh you know, I like to say it this way that it is every son and daughter's right to receive communication from the heart of their father. It's a part of our inheritance. Yeah. And so for everyone who's listening, some of you hear things and you might have just thought you were having conversations with yourself. Uh, but the Lord is dropping some of those phrases in there. Some of you feel things. Some of you see things. Some of you know things. And so I don't like to use the phrase hear God because some of y'all don't hear God. You see God. You feel God. You know wow. God. And so, but it's your right, every single one of you. And the beauty of that prophetic gift, your ability to receive communication from the heart of the Father, from the Trinity, right? Uh, yeah. It becomes prophetic when you receive communication that is going to benefit somebody else and you articulate that on behalf of the family in order to encourage your brother and sister. And that can look uh, in a myriad of different ways, but anytime that you are receiving communication from the heart of the father and then articulating it on behalf of the family to a, a sister or brother, and the result is that it strengthens, encourages, or comforts. That is the purpose of the prophetic uh, within the context of this union reality yeah. that we have with the Trinity, within the context of this better covenant that we are a part of, and within the context of God's heart for the world uh, and for the sons and daughters who do not know him yet to be able to experience his goodness and, and hear yeah. what Father has to say about them. And so whether it's a, a word of knowledge, which is the supernatural apprehension of a truth that is or has been. And the purpose of that is to pop, is to build trust. As you were saying, it's that handrail, it's to build trust. Well, how did you know that? And so then they're able to receive the next thing that Father has to say, okay. whether it's a word of, of prophecy, which can have to do with, here's something that's coming. Uh, and uh, I think most of the time it's good stuff. Here's some good stuff that's coming. Occasionally it might be, hey, this thing's coming up, you know, sidestep that. You know, Father wants to protect you from that experience. Uh, but the vast majority of the time, it should be, uh, here are the good things that are coming up. Keep an eye for, out for it so you don't miss that goodness of God. Yeah. And then the one that I specialize in, Word of Wisdom, which is the supernatural apprehension of transformative strategy to take what is and to transform it what, into what it should be, which is how I operate in government. But those three facets all fall into prophetic uh, the prophetic gift and grace of the reception of the heart of God and the articulation on behalf of others for the advancement of the kingdom and for the uh, the bringing into the awareness of the good father, all of humanity, uh, whether they know him yet or not. So, so before Derek, so what you're saying is it's all restorative. Absolutely. Come on. And it has yeah, not and, been and, modeled well. What's that? And it has not been modeled well. No, especially right. over the last four years. Freaking embarrassing, actually. And yeah. so it's my heart. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's yeah. 
Let's reframe what people's perception might be surrounding the prophetic. Let's reframe it to the original context, which is the heart of the father for the children. That's it. Yeah, and Dub, you've explained this to us personally, and I think this is something that we'll dive into deeper when we get into this with some Zoom calls and some other things we're going to do with you guys so we can introduce the Tacos audience and those at, at large on the Facebook page to some of the strategies of, hey, maybe you see something um, and and you know how to throttle back to say, hey, wait a second, let me deliver this in such a way that is encouraging, comforting, and strengthening, even though it may be a little uh, of a of a warning or a negative or something. It's like you have these litmus tests with prophecy, and I, I don't. I may, I've always wanted to hear somebody of your stature talk about this scripture. But you know, when it says in uh, what is it, Revelation nineteen ten, that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Could you could you speak to that a little bit? The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. What what does that what does that mean? Dang, that's a good question because I think it means many different things. But I think a couple of them that would be probably pertinent and most helpful to the audience would be that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, and so whenever true prophecy is present. It's going to be testifying to the person of Jesus, what Jesus has accomplished, and, and what it is that Jesus is looking to co-partner with us in doing upon the earth. But I would say that all of it is invitational in nature, that it is revealing uh, the actual personhood of Jesus, and, and, and which reveals, of course, the, the consubstantial nature of the Trinity. And so I love that that verse also is found where in the book of Revelation, right? The revealing of Jesus Christ, the testimony of prophecy is. And so if I ever hear someone who is prophesying <laughs> and it's not revealing the goodness of God, Come then on. I know that they, they are either not prophesying at all right. or they haven't been trained either they have bad theology or they haven't been trained in how to harness the gifting that is within them in order to align it so that it operates correctly and so the gifting is being mismanaged and mis mishandled which is going to end up with it breaking down and unfortunately breaking others uh, Derek um, I love doing this with you love uh, what God is doing uh, in and through our lives, the connection, the reconnection over these last years, uh, what uh, the, the favor in life on, on Rethinking God with Tacos, whether it's the Facebook group uh, or the Zoom calls and the, the ones we have in the future, just uh, life-giving and a, a fulfillment of the vision that I had nine years ago when we stepped away from pastoring full-time to start a family story ministries a family story ministries was meant to create content catalytic for an encounter with the love of god i mean it was that simple and and uh and it was very empowering for me to then lean into writing lean into obviously uh, speaking and teaching uh and and led to the start of this podcast almost five years ago a family story is a nonprofit, and it's um it's been uh, the home for for me for nine years as we've leaned in and so anyway I, I just wanted to share a little bit about the the beginning of a family story and and I remember 
you saying uh, coming out of COVID that, hey, guys, we started a podcast. And you you and Sarah were one of our earliest guests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and it definitely is content that is catalytic for an encounter with the love of God. Uh, we've yeah. experienced that by joining forces together. Yep. Uh, but I want, I want all of our listeners to know that this is a listener-funded podcast. And uh, Rethinking God with Tacos has kind of taken on a life of its own in the umbrella of a family story but a family story is your livelihood jason um <laughs> i i get a salary from the church that i pastor and uh I, I donate my time and volunteer my time to do this but i want everybody to know that uh you can give to make rethinking god with tacos available to as many people as we can possibly mm-hmm. make it available to if, it, if this podcast has in any way uh, blessed you helped shape your rethinking journey and been a safe place to experience community on the Facebook page then I, I invite you to uh, to give not out of compulsion or arm twisting no. but out of uh, out of joy and yeah. generosity uh, give into a family story and you can do it at a family story.org there's a giving function on there and we invite you into partnership with us. That's a way that we can partner together to establish the kingdom of God through this podcast. Uh, and I love doing it with you, Jason. I really do. Yeah, yeah same here, man. Thank you. So grateful uh, for those who have given and who, who blessed us and, and have prayed for us and partnered with us over the years. So love it. Love doing this with you. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you all soon. One, uh, uh, one of the things that um, I think we haven't talked about at all or enough, I don't know if you guys might get on this subject, but I grew up in the charismatic church and I grew up, I'm, I'm going to preface it a little bit first with some good theology. I grew up uh, at the time for most of my life in the context of separation. And so desperation in the charismatic church was the high watermark of spiritual maturity. So it was a place of lack. I was constantly trying to get to God, trying to find his pleasure, trying to find his presence, trying to do something for him. Everything was in the context of measuring the distance between us. You know, whatever, whatever was preached, whether it was the parable of the talents, uh, parable of the sower, everything was measuring the distance between us. It was always interpreted through that lens. So the prophetic then um, could easily be something I was seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes um, was problematic. Sometimes it was a good prophetic word. I didn't have the lens to hear it. Sometimes it was a prophetic word coming from the context of separation. But the, the question I want to ask, and it's something my wife and I have talked about often, is uh, some of those prophetic words were highly unhelpful. Some of it was on our end. Some of it was on the people giving it. We we were came from a highly prophetic culture. And one of the things we don't talk about uh, or at least the, I would like to talk about here is how do you receive a prophetic word? You know, everybody's got those words. Like I had a, a word before I got married to my wife that I was going to marry a blonde. She's not blonde, never has been blonde. I jokingly say you should dye your hair blonde so that guy can be correct. But <laughs> but my point is, is we've all had those words. We've all Yo, had I that know, stuff. I know, Karen, that's a, that's a hard no, man, right no, there. That's a hard no. It's a joke that we have whenever we get into the prophetic and conversations. She's going to, she's going to mail that guy a clip of her yeah. uh, brown hair just to take it to By another way, level. 29 like, years. Nope. I, I, I think we're, uh, I think that's, that word has been proven wrong, but 
But uh, anyway, uh, but my point is, is how do you receive the prophetic? I'm able to hear when the goodness of God isn't there. I'm able to hear when separation is a part of the, 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 um, the word and quickly remove it. But for me, it's about trust. It comes back down to that place. But what, what's your advice when, when, when somebody's especially because we're looking for it. There was a time when I was a prophetic word hunter. Like I'd go mm -hmm. places and I'd be like, me, 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 me. You know, that was why the, I made the joke with you yeah. do me first. Um, cause that's all I, I was desperate. So give me a word, the man of God, tell me the, the mm -hmm. breakthrough. You know, we don't use the word cusp in my house because of all the prophetic words. Of oh being on my the gosh. You know what I'm saying? Yes. All the disappointment that can be connected mm -hmm. to our preconceived ideas that turn us off to the prophetic. And so how do you receive the prophetic in the context of this Trinitarian grace-based union, uh, that we're discovering? Is that yeah. a fair question? Absolutely. So one of the key trademarks of religion is that it is hierarchical and it is top down. The kingdom, Ryan says it this way, there is no hierarchy in the kingdom, only an hierarchy. We are all co-heirs in Christ. And so, and it's always bottom up. Jesus is the cornerstone, then the apostle and the prophet. Then, and, and then the state, it's all about how much are you willing to serve? How much are you willing to get under and, and push forward? And so you use that phrase, man of God, right? And I remember the prophetic culture that's, that swirled around the man of God, prophetic yes. culture, right? Where the man of God is the only one who's powerful to prophesy. You don't question the man of God. You have yeah. no right to judge a word that a man of God has given, right? And, and this whole idea of when the man of God walks in, he hears God better than everybody else, which is not the context of the fivefold prophet in scripture, which is a true prophet is a gift from Jesus to his bride to unlock the prophetic gifting in the saints for them to hear. Come so a on. true prophet, when a true prophet walks in, they don't hear God better than everybody else in the room. Everybody else in the room hears God better for themselves because the gift of who they are has walked in and that's what they're made to do. So I have the honor all the time of unlocking people that hear better than me. And I'm, sometimes I'm like, come on, Jesus, like that's the first time they prophesied and they're hearing more accurately, you know, but it's, it's, I'm like, wow, I get to be a part of unlocking the saints. The goal is not to be a prophet, apostle, a pastor, you know, it's to yeah. equip saints who are operating in all five gifts and graces so that they can advance the administration of the kingdom outside. So yeah. when it comes to judging prophecy, we're told to do that. I'm not the chapter and verse guy, but it's in one of the Thessalonians. Yeah. It says, test all things and hold on to what is good. And that's such an empowering, empowering piece that we all need to have. Everyone is powerful to prophesy and everyone is powerful to judge the prophetic words that are given to them. And I love that it says holding on to what is good, which implies you might get some crap words, right? And so <laughs> just flush those, you know? Yeah. And so when it comes to me receiving, first of all, if the person who's prophesying to me, if they, if there's any, some of this nonsense, like I never miss it, I'm already just not going to receive what you have to right. say. Okay. Cause you clearly right. have no idea what's going on. Right. Uh, I try to always say, look guys, sometimes I miss it. And so I need you to judge any word that I give to you because it's actually I'm powerful to prophesy, to share what I believe Father is communicating. And I need you to be powerful to you to have a conversation with Holy Spirit afterwards to keep what's good and trash where I missed it. And so being powerful to judge the word that's given to you and the ability to receive 
and to keep what resonates with you and, and with Holy Spirit, you know, and if it sounds like Jesus, feels like Jesus, looks like Jesus, keep that part. Awesome. And if there's any part that doesn't, you are free to trash it and never think about it again. And so I think that we've missed that. There's been this hierarchy. The man of God is the only one to prophesy, and you are definitely not capable of deciding whether or not he heard right or not. Right. Man, we right. got to trash all of that nonsense. That's scary stuff. Yeah. Get back down yeah. to yeah. dignifying the sons and daughters of God. Come on. Yeah, in the, in the culture and context that I grew up in, the statement was, uh, eat the hay and spit out the sticks. You know, nice little colloquial way of remembering the meat. Spit out the bones. Yeah, same thing. Same concept. Yeah. I was having hey. Amish flashbacks with Derek's man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you say in, in your book, I love this because you're, you're, you have a school of the kingdom, right? And yes. you're a kingdom guy. And this, this prophecy and prophetic nature of, is, all about, is all about establishing the kingdom, right? So I want to read this statement and then just have you kind of speak into it. You said, religion is mankind's desperate attempt to meet God, whereas the kingdom is the result of God meeting humanity in all of mankind's fallenness and brokenness, and then redeeming, reconciling, and establishing him in his original place as a representative of governmental authority from heaven on earth. I love, I love that. I've, I've been kind of like meditating on that whole thing, but I think that kind of defines what you're engaged in right now and what you're training people up in, in the school. So yeah, oh. just speak into that a little bit. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So I, I love the kingdom, you know, that question, what is the kingdom, which really set me on the pursuit of and finding truth. And so I'm a kingdom guy. I love it. I hate how it has been misrepresented. And how people and culture have been hurt uh, by things, people, and movements that have flown under the flag of the kingdom. I also understand that because a majority of the kingdom stream has misunderstood the nature of the king, because they're missing the, the atonement yeah. theology piece, they're missing the Trinitarian piece. If you misunderstand the nature of the king, you will misrepresent his ways upon the earth. Well, you'll, be, you'll become hierarchical, right? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so what School of Kingdom exists to do is, is to blend, man, here's, here's these theological streams that understand the nature of the king. And here's some theological streams that have some beautiful pieces about affecting culture and the beauty of the prophetic and the transformative capability that it carries. Let's not miss that because they miss the nature of the king. And let's not miss the nature of the king because there might not be a value for his ways upon the earth. And so I'm trying to blend those two. And so oftentimes people will feel a trigger or have a distaste for the word kingdom because they've been exposed to domination rather than dominion. And I, I hate it that we've missed that because Genesis 1 and 2 are my favorite chapters in scripture. And in Genesis 1, 26, we're eavesdropping on this conversation amongst the Trinity. And they say, let us create mankind in our likeness and image and let them have dominion. Now, the likeness is about the Trinity, other focused, self-giving love. That is yeah. the nature of humanity. And yeah. last year I did an Around the World in 40 Days tour and documented it. The documentary will actually be coming out here pretty soon just to encourage people. Look, the vast majority of humanity loves each other and is after the same thing. So let's not believe that, you, you know, I'm not on that, you know, I, I better control myself here. Listen, I, I, so the likeness is about the Trinity. It, it says in his image, in the image of God that scripture gives us is a king on a throne. 
And then he says, and let them have dominion. Now, I believe that the true context of dominion, because we see God doing it, is showing up where there is chaos and bringing it into order so that all of humanity is served well. And we see that in creation. The earth was formless and void. It was in chaos. But the voice of God spoke over it, and it created this beautiful territory that would serve his sons and daughters well. Come on. And so the reason we exist is to experience the love of God, to love God back and live forever in a reciprocal love relationship with the Trinity. Let us create mankind in our likeness and image and let them have dominion. Reason and purpose are two different things. The purpose for which we exist is to bring dominion upon the earth, not domination. Yeah. That's demonic yeah. and not kingdom. Yeah. Dominion. We are meant to show up wherever there is chaos in the world and through receiving prophetic intel, partnering it with apostolic intelligence because the apostles were designers of culture, bring heaven's solutions in a tangible way to the issues of the earth, bringing chaos into order so that humanity might experience the goodness of God because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And so the working definition of the kingdom we use in School of Kingdom is that the kingdom is the heart and the authority of God from heaven on earth through us. And I'm excited that we get to participate in that. Come on. Yeah, for the, and for the sake of human flourishing. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 Believer yeah. and the pre-believer. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, Asleep and awake. Yes. Uh, I, when I wrote God is not in control uh, and I was pushing up against domination as opposed to dominion in different language, I used the, the, you know, the sovereignty of control or the sovereignty of love. I was asked often and again, and one, one of the stories made the book, but how do we win in the end? And, and, and my response was, it already happened at the cross. Come on. And, and the, you know, it's that mind shift of understanding that, um, that this other-centered self-giving, the mutuality of love, one, in the great, there is no greater love that he lays life down for a friend, called all of us friends. And then he reconciles God, a triune God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting our mm. fractured understandings of hierarchy and dominion against us, actually taking that to its conclusion, being born or reborn or resurrected and us rising with him. So yes. it's um, what, you, what I love about that picture, though, bro, of, of Genesis is, man, talk about reframing dominion from the beginning yes. as in his likeness. Mind blown. It's there at the beginning. I mean, we're talking about the mutuality of love. We're talking about our invitation into it from the very beginning. I love the, the, the speaking, uh, speaking, the creative nature of speaking it into existence. And man. all of that is stunning, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm now. I'm just now. I'm just rambling because I I love what you <laughs> well, said. Well, hey, you know, Jason, you you hit on something there that I think is so critical, and that is uh, how do how, well how do we win in the end? Because you know we we have to win. We have to have the upper hand. Right. The idea of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But and and yet people will still embrace a theology that says, um, yeah, uh, you know what happened in Adam is universal, uh, but what happened in Christ is going to be limited. You know, right. like everyone's a universalist when it comes to sin, <laughs> but what happens, right. what happens in Christ is, is going to be limited. And I, I had this quote the other day, you made me think of it when he said, how do we win in the end? And it's a guy named William Barclay. And he says, if one man remains outside or woman outside the love of God at the end of time, it means that that one man has defeated the love of God 
and that's impossible. <laughs> so on. to me, the the dominion it gets it gets shoved back into or a, original intent of love never fails. So it's yeah. a different type. It's not control. Control love does not control. Love requires consent, but love will chase you down throughout eternity as long as it Come takes. On. <laughs> so that it won't fail in reaching your heart to say, yes, Christ is king. Yes, um, to, man, to the love like of God. That, just, yeah, that is good like news, good. man. Yeah. <laughs> man, I love it. And I'm, I'm a big, I, I feel like one of my assignments on my life is to not allow religion or, and, and misrepresentation to rob us of a part of our inheritance and, and truth and like the word kingdom. I understand kingdom has been misrepresented, yeah. but I'm not going to allow, I mean, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom over 101 times in the gospel. He said the kingdom is like, and so um, Jason, I loved what you said there about like you were smart enough to you verbally engineer your language, right? In, into some different phrasing. And I love it because we need both of those. We need yeah. verbally engineered restoration of truth, which is what you were providing in your book. And I'm intent on, man, I'm getting the word kingdom back. It, yes. it was stolen, turned into a buzzword, and it's been horribly yeah. misrepresented. But man, it's precious to me. And so let's, let's restore it. Let's bring it back to its original intent and meaning. And I think that that, uh, that one-two punch we've got going on here is so important. Yeah. And uh, that's really how I operate in, in government. I have a value for overt prophecy, but man, I, I'm passionate about equipping people to be able to prophesy covertly so that people that might have walls up about you know a, an overt prophetic word can still yeah. hear what Father has to say to them in a covert manner. And so I think that's the yeah. beauty of, of the kingdom is that we have the ability to have so many different ways and strategies and, and just Bro. God is about people experiences his love and his goodness, and we can be creative about it. And yeah. the more that we identify each other's gifts and graces and the different ways and bring them together so that everybody can learn from all of these different ways, man. Yeah. Bro, that's the Emmaus road way. I mean, if Jesus doesn't have to have, you know, his name to, to reveal himself to you, then, then, then the language that he is, is all up for grabs as well. I, I love, you know, for me, Bethel uh, and Bill and those guys 15 years ago brought my attention to kingdom because, and all of a sudden it was everywhere. And I went, how did I miss this for so long? And of course the kingdom isn't just at, uh, within, within reach. It isn't just at hand. He goes on later to say it's within you. Come on. Like this is this union that Jesus is, is describing it's, I, this. I only do what I see my father doing. He only does what he wants. What's in my heart to do kind of union friendship. That is the kingdom. For me, what because I'm a relational guy, and I and we coined the phrase, or, or I don't know, we Graham Cook coined the phrase, but I don't know. I've, I've only ever heard him say it once. I'm making it famous, <laughs> doing my best to make it famous. But we're relational <laughs> theologians here, yeah. And and so in the relational context, with God is love, then it is all relational. And so if God is love, it's a relational context, which is why for me, um, the kingdom had negative connotation. But family, and we talked this at the beginning, what brought you in? Where did the rubber meet the road? It was when you saw a healthy family displayed. Family is what he lived as. We're coming full circle. Jesus only called his, his father. He only called God dad. And so for me, that's when the kingdom took on um, this eternal, powerful, uh, uh, 
safe place to be able to embrace this language Come because on. I'd only ever seen it in the, you know, we, we live in a, in the U S uh, where yeah. the kingdom means something completely different. It is all domination. Right. And, it's so interesting that that, that governmental piece, because in my, the conclusions I've come to, everything is familial in nature and governmental in structure. We're a yeah. royal family meant to rule and reign, representing the ways of the family correctly. But in, in America, and sadly, most of the world, if we sure. hear government, and especially when it comes to faith, all of a sudden it gets militaristic. Yeah, that's it's right. It's not mm. militaristic. That's we right. are not the army of God. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. In my right. work with the UN, I have friends who are ambassadors. They don't hold any military rank. They right. show up with legislative authority and power to bring right. chaos into order. But it's been so misrepresented in a lot of the kingdom streams where the kingdom, the governmental part, immediately they go military. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, hit the brakes. There's a difference between yeah. government. <laughs> There's a difference between government and politics. That's probably a whole different show, but <laughs> a difference <laughs> between government and politics and difference between government and military. And the kingdom is not militaristic in nature. Yeah. It's familial in nature, governmental in structure. And that is where the, the beauty of what God is doing in this dimension for all of humanity is coming into play. <laughs> Bro, I, you know, I, mighty warrior dressed for battle. <laughs> you know, I was raised with militant kingdom thinking. Oh, I can go back further, Jason. Oh, I can go they back. They rush on the city. <laughs> they run on the walls. Great is the army. Yes. Yeah. Carries out his word. Yes. Um, yeah, it cuts yeah. off ears in the process. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 I hear you, man. I, and that, that is something that needs to die because the, in here, I think this goes back to atonement theory. If you believe in a God yeah. that killed yep. his own son, poured his wrath out, allowed that process to happen, then violence comes easy for you. Wow. You can easily the do violence in the name least. of God. Yeah. And, um, and, and we see, I think, think we see this and I think we see it in the Israeli Palestinian war and we pick we we pick sides as opposed to hey look no we pray for people and we pray for peace we don't pray for um, flags um, and so I, I guess I guess the only violence that ever would secure true justice would be the cross and it's so ironic isn't it that God would submit Himself to violence and and yeah. instead of you know using and it dismantle to dismantle in the process yeah yeah, yeah. and dismantle, dismantle it in the process exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm now I'm preaching. Yeah. No. <laughs> good. Well, no, I, I think it. it's important because it is uh, if there's a restoring of 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 uh you know, if this is a year where we were talking about we see God restoring our understanding and restoring he is I think the restoring of that I think it's been happening for a long time, but the, the restoring of our understanding of the kingdom um, in the context of union, in the context of of that familiar, the the family uh, dynamic, um, a relational dynamic is is uh, well. Again, it's what Jesus modeled. Yeah, really is what he modeled. He hey, just, maybe we should maybe we should talk about that while Dub's here, and maybe get a little prophetic insight about like what what things do you see being restored? Yeah, to the church I, I mean i can i can speak for myself but i i see a restoring of the the gospel the true good news Come i on. see a restoring of the joy of our salvation i see yeah. what what other what other kind of things do you think are being restored to the church because i don't i don't think anything is like it's like new 
there's some new revelation or new it's it's a, a restoration of something yeah. original right so um what, what kind of what kind of, what are you seeing what are you seeing for the body of christ you know and for um the kingdom what what things are being restored and, and what is that going to look like yeah man so uh i was praying uh this past december and you know i think that it's Prophetic culture is funny, right? So you got some people that are like, there's this stream that's like, well, let's look at the Hebrew New Year and the and the numbers and the shapes and this and that. This is what God's saying. And I'm kind of like a, a more American, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, I love the first of the year. I'm like, it's just for me. I'm like, God, what do you want to partner with me in this first of the year? But I'd like to say that it's just about shifting your awareness to what has always been available and then just partnering with what is most beneficial at the time, right? It's not like God is, is uh, and I'm not speaking this to you guys. I, I'm just trying to share this for some listeners, you know, to kind of hear where I'm coming from. Um, and so I was just praying this December, like, Lord, what's what's up for 2024? And I heard him say that uh, things that have been very controversial topics in the past, there's going to be a higher receptivity of this year. And uh, I was like, wow, that's awesome, you know? And so I, I've kind of been playing around with that already. But uh, I think things like the understanding that Jesus is the word of God and the Bible is a beautiful gift that must be read through the lens of Jesus in order to discern the truth that it carries. Uh, so I think that's a big topic that is uh, a whole lot more people are going to be able to receive this year and it won't be attacked as voraciously. Um, I believe the uh, that it crappy atonement theology is going to take a hard hit this year because people are over this uh this abusive angry absent father picture at the cross and then uh i i mean i'm slightly controversial at times and so uh, at my event this year i was like well if the lord said that here i go so i dropped uh for the first time i taught on perfect love casting out all fear and that Jesus came to cast out the, everybody brace yourselves, the fear of the it. Lord. <laughs> and so uh, I believe that because perfect love casts out all fear. Why, yeah. why is there war right now? Because people are afraid. You know, yeah. everything either flows from the root of love or fear. Come on. And the, so, the greatest solutions of heaven that the earth hasn't been able to receive yet are, are based upon fear. You know, last year, the, the official statement from the UN was that if all of the, the, the nations that are a part of the UN, if they would simply donate 3% of their defense budget. So of course that would be a lot more for the U S than, sure. I don't know, uh, New Guinea or whatever. But if all of the nations would, would just back off on the posturing of fear of one another by 3%, that's enough to end world hunger. And I'm like, wow. we're so afraid that our nations have these robust defense budgets. And if we would all just say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to put three percent more faith in you and in each other. And let's all just scale down our defenses, which is fear based. And yeah. let's donate that towards feeding people. You wipe out world hunger immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. Love the revelation of love is the root from which all of heaven's solutions flow from in very wow. practical ways. And I believe yeah. that, uh, that people are tired of fear. The pandemic was the first time that the entire globe, that all of humanity shared a universal fear. 
And I believe that uh, it's that's just love. Like, man, the more you pump love and truth into a situation, the more the fear and the lies are going to come to the surface. And I think sure. that's what we saw. And I think humanity had enough of it and they hate it. And now for the first time, I'm trying to stay seated here right now. I think for the first time, all of humanity is ready for an upgrade in a universal apprehension of truth and love. And so I'm pumped about this year. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, you know what hit me when you, when you said that, and it goes Amen. back to something the Lord shared with me a long time ago, and it's simply a scripture, but whenever you see, like where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Wherever sin abounds, grace hyper abounds. It's so, so beyond it. Could we apply the same principle to wherever fear abounds? Oh. Love is going to have to super abound. So isn't isn't that maybe like anything we see happen in the world is just a precursor to, to what's going to be, you know, surmounting that? And, uh, oh, dude, I love that. And I love I love your boldness on yeah. the fear, even the fear of the Lord, because that that yeah. has been a mis a, a teaching that has been uh, misappropriated. And, and yes. I think Antichrist, actually, I would say that. Dude, come on, man. <laughs> I saw you were teaching that. <laughs> I thought, come on, man. That's awesome. I love it. And and I think you're, I love that what you're talking about bringing, um, uh, we've said it a couple of times here. We haven't had him on yet, but um, Bruce Walker. I don't know if you know Bruce. He's from yes. uh, Australia, trying to figure out how to get a hold of him. But I'd heard him share something on a, on a, youtube video where he said you know for 20 years he preached union and one in a hundred to a group of 100 people one would get it and then around 2018 2019 there was a shift and when he preaches union there's this uh, overwhelming come on um yes in the room and i i see that exponentially growing we feel that we're seeing it where people are done they're they're done with that abusive picture of the father and the compromised understanding of love that it puts you in uh and and are ready for what we're talking about right now man i i think there is sweetness uh i i just yes and amen what you're sharing bro there's Mom. an awakening taking place here so honored this is that by the way this this podcast kicks off uh 2020 we uh, derek and i did one and then this is it so i feel like there's something to that too that, that we get to I do, make I some do declarations too. i do too over yep over this awesome. year with this podcast so dude we you are headed to malaysia literally today yes uh, we haven't talked tacos yet and we're going to do this again by the way folks listening we are going to do some zoom calls again with ryan um pena who we had on earlier dub and probably some others uh, around the prophetic, maybe even opportunities to prophesy over folks. Um, but for now, let's talk tacos. We'll we'll keep you up on that. But for now, let's talk tacos. We gotta we yeah. gotta hit that before you leave. Yeah, I mean you're Taco from Amarillo. Story. You're from Amarillo, yeah, so I know you got a good one. So give us your An best taco. Uh, your best Amarillo by morning uh breakfast taco <laughs> come on <laughs> man so i'm I'm actually going to take a hard left and this is kind of anti-texan but i have to give props to new mexico on the taco mm. story all right uh so uh i the best tacos i've had are in elephant butte new mexico at a little okay. spot called uh taco casa uh not the the fast food joint but <laughs> it's just this uh little hole in the wall spot out there by the lake and uh 
uh, you know, it's hard for Texans to give other states props, but I have to, I cannot tell a lie. And so I've got to give props to uh, the tacos there in New Mexico and Elephant Butte, man, especially the the green chili brisket taco. Oh, so if you on. ever, ooh, it's straight from the Lord. That's a kingdom taco for sure. And so if you're ever in Southern New Mexico near the Las Cruces area, it'd be worth a trip up there to snag one of those. Green chili uh, brisket brisket green Man. chili brisket I'm, I'm gonna go grab one i'm gonna go find tacos after we have this conversation <laughs> we, we love we love tacos what about um uh these tacos it's just been a fun way to connect it's yeah. always relational around the table that kind of thing but uh you've also got some uh folks that have greatly influenced you i know dan o. mccullen oh yeah mccullen is one of the guys who are you listening to right now? What are the who are the who are the voices in your life? Yeah, so um with with all things prophetic, everything within School of Kingdom on the prophetic side of things, uh the reason it has a healthy culture, the reason that we have the ability to activate people in the prophetic where we have people coming in who have never prophesied before, by the end of the year, stone cold killers. Every single one of them like uh is because I've inherited the wisdom of what Dano has uh developed in that arena. Um, as far as who I'm listening to right now, man, I'm still just super jacked up on, uh, well, let me say this. So Dr. Miles Monroe, I love rediscovering the kingdom and that specific book has been hugely impactful in my life. The most important book for the body of Christ, uh, in my opinion, uh, right now is Bradley Jerzak's a more Christ-like word because there's yeah. so much confusion about how to read scripture. And, and so yeah. mad props to Brad on that. Yep. And then uh, I would say that who I'm listening to a lot right now is is Baxter Kruger and John Crowder uh, on Christology and on uh, Trinitarian faith. That's kind of who I'm really jamming to right now. Yeah, those guys are all on the list. That's for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Hey, tell folks how uh, to connect to the school, how to connect to you. Um, let's let's uh, introduce that for them. Uh, thank you very much, man. So uh, we have an, an evergreen, always available free Kingdom 101 course, and that's at kingdomintro.com. Uh, we're doing a free uh, Kingdom End Times course, uh, the end uh, or the beginning of February. So if anybody would like to hop in on that, kingdomendtimes.com. Uh, and then our podcast, Ryan Pena, myself, the amazing Dr. Tony Robinson from Las Vegas. We have uh, the Joe Kingdom Perspective podcast. For all you podcast junkies, and uh, yeah, so those would be probably the the three best uh, ways to connect right. with what's happening right now. And then, of course, I'll be around the the tacos community. So yeah, you're there too. But I interrupt because the Joe Kingdom uh, podcast is uh, you're you're taking Joe Rogan's um, most often current uh, uh, podcast and kind of uh, breaking it down through a prophetic lens. Yeah, so, so had the voice into culture for the last several years, an important voice. Mm, Talk about that for a sec. Thank you, man. So I, I have a real passion for where is it that we see the pre-believer, these sons and daughters of God who are operating in, in their intent, original intent, in their design. Scripture says the giftings and callings of God are without repentance. And so before they awaken to the truth, they're still gonna they still have the opportunity to operate in their purpose and bring crazy amounts of value. And I think that, you know, uh, when you look at Jordan Peterson, Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, uh, Elon Musk, like these are, are four people that a lot of 
Christianity or a lot of the social cultural context construct that we might call the church doesn't know they have the ability to find value in what they're bringing to the table. And so we, the reason we started this podcast, we play a clip from an interview where Joe's interviewing somebody who's doing something amazing. Uh, And then we talk about, look, look how the kingdom is advancing in the most unexpected of places through the most unexpected of people and then the most unexpected of ways. And so, uh, yeah, that's what that podcast is about. And we have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's pretty and, cool. You know, I think it speaks back to something you said about perfect love casting out fear. The only way to be able to see it in that context is to take fear out of the element and realize, wait a second, no, kingdoms advancing even even through those yeah. who are maybe not professing to be followers of the way, followers of Jesus, and yes. yet, um, it's it, but it, it's a fearless mindset that has to to look at that and say, well, this is good for man's flourishing in the earth. So, you know, let's, uh, yeah. I, I agree, man. It's it's yeah. the same way I can pretty much justify any song lyric to fit, you know, something spiritual. <laughs> yes. No matter what, what brand of music it is. Which, by the way, your book goes into a lot of your hip-hop culture and whatnot. Uh, and we, yeah. had a little, we had a little moment on Facebook where you were doing the top five club songs. And I, I could not relate because I'm like, I was all alt. <laughs> Uh, REM, yeah. blue, you know, uh, all those. Yeah. But you did mention POD and I have a little quick POD story. My, oh, yeah. my little daughter, she was five when one of their hit songs was out and it was like, I feel, I feel so alive. Yeah. Something like that. Is that it? Well, oh, yeah. she said, I feel so like five when <laughs> she was five years old. <laughs> awesome. So I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, there it is. That's Love cute, man. That's awesome. Bro, uh, we love this. We'll do this again. Uh, thanks for helping us kick off this new season. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, it's an honor. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up. We'll let folks know about some of these Zoom calls we want to do in the future uh, in the coming days. So Look at you, establish, a, helping establish a prophetic community within our our Facebook community, our worldwide talk community. Um, Dub, thank you and, and Ryan for, you know, helping to be instrumental in the foundations of that. Uh, it's built on a good foundation, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. Looking forward yep. to it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, myself or our guests, you can go to a familystory.org. You can also go to a familystory.org if you'd like to give. This is a listener supported podcast and we are incredibly grateful for your generosity. Hey, we have a Facebook group, and it's pretty cool. Uh, Rethinking God with Tacos. You can join us over there. Lots of incredible conversation and community taking place on that page. And you can also follow us on all the socials, Instagram, uh, TikTok, YouTube, and others. Hey, I'd love it also if you uh, went on iTunes and left a review or shared or tweeted or liked the podcast. Uh, Let your friends know that this is a good place to hear about the love of God. I pray grace and wonder over your day.